Why, hello there. It's me, Alan Girding, and you're listening to the Tuesday Night Podcast. To be specific, you're listening to the 144th episode. But before we dive into this episode, I want to start with a backstory and a question. First, the question. Age old. How do you get someone who hates board games, maybe has never even played board games before, and get them into board gaming? Nay, not just board gaming, but perhaps arguably the geekiest of gaming, role playing. How do you do it? And now that the question has been posed, let me give you some backstory. My partner and I, one night a week, sit down on the couch and thoroughly enjoy watching an episode of either The Bachelor, Bachelorette, or Bachelors in Paradise, depending on what season and what time of year it is. If you're unfamiliar with the show, imagine The Bachelor, one insanely attractive dude put into a mansion filled with 20 to 30 women. All these women competing for this man's hand in marriage. It's like some type of maniacal musical chairs because this bachelor has to hand out roses at the end of every week, but there aren't enough roses to go around to all these women. So you get to see every week women get dumped, reducing the number of women week by week until there's only one remaining and then this dude proposes. Now, my wife and I have enjoyed this for years. Some of our favorite television memories have been from one of these three shows. Bachelorette is you reverse the genders, and Bachelors in Paradise is where you take the audience's favorite cast members from one of the shows and you put them in Mexico together without air conditioning. Anyway, we are thorough fans. Which is why I was so excited when I got an email from the Stegliano brothers who are trying to create a role-playing game that connects people you may find on The Bachelor, very attractive, popular people, who have never played a role-playing game in their life, or maybe even a board game before, and get them into gaming. How do you get a beautiful person who's totally ignorant of board games into the hobby? Well, Michael Stagliano and his brother Steven Stagliano in this episode of the Tuesday Night Podcast try to bridge the gap between those that have never played and those that are hardcore role players. They do it with their game, Tavern of Heroes. But I digress. Instead of me explaining it, I'll shut up and let the episode explain it. Real quick warning, Michael and Steven sound insanely similar. However, I think by the end of the episode, if you listen closely, you will be able to tell the difference between Michael's voice and Steven's voice. Maybe it's more of a personality thing, but da-da-da, I need to shut up and we need to begin this episode. Already in progress. Let's suppose my wife died. That's really dark and dismal. I'd probably still watch. He'd still keep going. I'd now, probably Chris still Harrison, watch. Chris Harrison, every week, he'd call you back like a fly to light. <laughs> Welcome 
Welcome to the Choose a Night podcast. This is the podcast all about the stories we make while playing the games we love on, around, and under the gaming table. I'm geeking out on this side of the mic because we have a double whammy for you. We have two brothers, the Stagliano brothers. And I didn't slaughter that, right? It's Stagliano, right? No, you nailed it, man. We are pumped to be here. Got it exactly correct. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to ask you all about how you got into the gaming industry. We have Michael Stagliano and Steven Stagliano. One of you, Michael, was a contestant, for lack of a better word, on The Bachelorette, part of Bachelor Nation. And Steven, you are married to a former Bachelorette, and you're identical twins, yeah? This is a funny story to tell. Uh, this, yeah. is, this is Steve now. When Michael was on, Jillian's season was on, The Bachelorette, the first time that I got recognized because, you know, we're identical twins, was in the men's room at an airport. I was, I literally went, I like had to pee really bad and I peed for probably like a minute and a half, which is forever if you think about it. And the guy next to me, he did like a double take, which is what caught my eye. And he was just staring at me unabashedly. So inappropriate. Yeah. And I was like, hey man, (laughs) What's up, bro? Yeah, and he was like, are you on Are you on The Bachelor? And I was like, no, but my twin brother is on The Bachelorette. And he was like, oh, my God, my wife. And we were, I was literally, like, still peeing while we talked. And he was like, can I shake your hand? And I was like, not right now. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's wash it up. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, really funny story. I decided that. And that, you know, dove us into the, uh, the world of, of The Bachelorette. I want to talk today about your introduction into the gaming world. You know, that basically boils down to growing up, we always played board games, literally Candyland and Shoots and Ladders back at when we were four and five, like with our parents and stuff. But honestly, I feel like that's kind of important to bring up. We were that young when we started playing. And then it pretty quickly, I think like a lot, we're 34 years old. I think like a lot of people our age, guys and girls, then it became like NES was a huge deal. Battletoads and Super Mario Brothers and Legacy of the Wizard and Legend of Zelda, all those titles. I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to interrupt. Did you guys get the mini NES or the mini SNES? I have looked at it four times and have tried to subtly hint to my wife, I want to get this for (laughs) us to play, but I just, I know there's no way that she would ever play any NES games with me. We got Christmas coming up. I've got a plan to get it at some- Hang on. This is Michael and- I, I'm confused. There's a miniature you're version. Not, you're such a non-nerd. They ju- they came out true. with That's a. Hurtful. They like revamped the NES and turned it into like a. <laughs> oh wait, I'm sorry. It's like a it's a console, but it th- doesn't come with cartridges, right? It's like got games preloaded in it. Is that it? Right. It's basically like a preloaded Raspberry, but it's official Nintendo. I am no longer confused. I have seen this. I saw it on Instagram, and now I, this is a great story. So I saw it, and I was okay. like, OMG, WTB, freaking out a little bit. And I told my wife, I had the same conversation, because she's kind of a gamer, like loosely. She, you know, enjoys That's video games. very generous of you, but yeah, go ahead. And I was like, Emily, we should totally buy this. And I love this about my wife. This was her response. We shouldn't buy it because it's all we'll do. And we have two kids under two now. We'll just neglect our kids. Like, we won't do anything but play <laughs> NES. And I was like, That's super accurate. That's like exactly what we would do. Actually, yeah. So I know this is Steven now. I'll connect the dots for you. So we, we jumped from. NES to Sega, played Nintendo 64, Xbox, and, and went through console gaming. And then it wasn't until about college that we jumped into PC games. Wow. Uh, yeah, loved World of Warcraft, played Age of Empires, missed all those. Nice. 
and all throughout playing board games that we didn't start playing D and D third was it three point five yeah in college played five E as well our main tabletop RPG system is Pathfinder at least for the last four or five years which people have said is just Dungeons and Dragons three point seven five that's like a very very accurate way way to put it but then you know we we love Settlers of Catan and and Ticket to Ride Pirates Cove there's so many board game titles out there now so basically you got into board games mostly through role playing games. In college, it was more we got swept up in the board game revolution that happened eight years ago now, like kind of 2000 games like Dominion and Small World. Yeah, Yeah. so that's really how we got swept into board games. That's when Steve and I started designing games and going to cons. Tavern of Heroes is actually our fourth title that we've designed. You two are jumping in, you're diving into the deep end, trying to become game designers slash publishers. Yeah, so I'll, I'll do the Cliff Notes version here. So the first game that we ever created was a game called Mice and Dice, and it's like a family fun. I know it. Oh, you know? What? Did you see the Kickstarter or something? I don't know how that's possible. I saw the Kickstarter. Okay. I backed it and <laughs> was very tempted to do the, I think it was only $500. I don't remember how much the pledge was to fly down and meet you guys oh because my, gosh, my wife right. yeah, yeah. Yep. was like, ah, oh my goodness. <laughs> Let's go. Because this. You have to let me crush on you guys. I'm waiting for my opportunity because I want you to say your piece. And I don't want to spend most of the episode talking about what I have told so many people as my favorite moment in television Shut up. No, no. Let's totally. What is it? All right. This is not made up at all. Hand of God. I believe you. I just told this story last week. Hang on. Before you knew that we were going to be on the show, like unprompted or no? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. What? This is how strange the world is because the same day I get the email from you asking (laughs) to be on the show. And I was like, what are the, what is this? Because I haven't told this story that much. But anytime I end up talking about reality television, let me tell you the best part of reality television has to do with gaming as well is because they gamified the Bachelor shows. Now, we call it Bachelor Nation. So for the uninitiated, if you don't know Bachelor, I don't know what rock you're living under, but basically you get one <laughs> dude, whole bunch of women, narrows down the women. Eventually, it's one woman. He's supposed to propose to her. And then there's the female version, Bachelorette. And then they came up with Bachelor Pad. The best television show possibly ever where it combines gaming and romance. It's the meanest, cruelest thing ever. And I'm sorry I'm even laughing. It's ridiculous. Here is the quick synopsis of how Bachelor Pad works. They gather previous, again, contestants from The Bachelor and Bachelorette to compete in a game show-like event. The prize to one lucky winner, a quarter of a million dollars Keep in mind that these people are handpicked, that includes you, Michael Stagliano, because they're very attractive and dynamic. There are just as many men as there are women. Each of the women at the end of every episode vote off one man, and each of the men vote off one woman. Eventually, this whittles down the men and women, and then they have to form couples. No longer are you allowed to do this competition alone. You have to find someone with whom you jive and couple up together and form a strategy to beat the other couples. So instead of people voting off one man or one woman, now they have to vote off a team of two. Once it gets down to the final four, meaning the final two couples, just four people, then they bring back all of the former contestants in a live 
show, live, meaning no editing here, and the former contestants then vote for the couple they want to see win the game. So here's the brilliant machinations of this sadistic show. As a contestant, you want to be very strategic, but at the same time, you're a human being that's going to have a deep emotional, biologically driven feelings because they lock you together in the bachelor mansion, this luxurious place, and force you to do these sexy games with one another in order to win immunity competitions. It's sick and oh so entertaining. Wrestling with emotions and strategy and game, you want to try to manipulate as best you can without actually pissing off all the other contestants because then they'll just vote you to lose if you make it to the final four. But once it gets to the final two contestants, this couple, again, on this live show broadcast to millions of individuals, this is where it gets really interesting because it becomes a prisoner's dilemma. Each contestant privately chooses and locks in their answer of keep or share. But if both of them say keep, then that quarter million dollars goes to all the other contestants that were voted off earlier. Correct. But if both of you say share, you both share. But if one of you says keep and the other one says share, then one of you who said keep gets the whole quarter million. And here's where I'm going to really crush on you specifically. Because Michael Michael won. (laughs) I thought season two, coolest, handled it really well. You were put in bachelor pad. This is the production end. They put you in with an ex-fiance. Correct. So you two are locked in. Long story short, you say, hey, I want to get back together with you. She says no. And then when it gets to the last two couples, last four contestants, they bring all the other contestants back. Right. And you two get voted to win. And then it's a prisoner's dilemma. Here's the painful thing. This is the compliment. She, during the show, has a relationship with, I think his name was Blake, because this is mean and judgmental. This is usually (laughs) behind closed doors because we do this. We're human beings. We have fun. We called him Bland. We're like, (laughs) oh, yeah, that girl. And I apologize. I don't remember her name. I want to say Holly. It was Holly. Yeah. She gets engaged to Bland during the season. And at the finale, it's live. And they just showed the entire nation Blake proposing to Holly. They bring Michael. They bring you out, Michael. She has to turn to you and say, hey, I just got engaged to Blake. And this is your ex. (laughs) And you handled it so smooth. You were very human. I actually didn't handle it super well. I literally said, I was like, hey, no, uh, can we cut to wrong. a commercial break? Like, I, this is so uncomfortable. I like asked for water. I was like, can I get a glass of water? Like, I'm so uncomfortable. I, so like, I specifically did not handle it smooth at all. No, no, that's why it was so smooth, man, because you were so human. I'm sorry, I, I'm shy. This is, I have shock still. So maybe a water would be great or a commercial break. Yeah, seriously, congratulations. I'm sorry. I, even like a letter would be greater. An email? I don't know. But then, Michael, you voted to share. Even after that, you had the opportunity to say, I'm keeping that quarter million dollars, knowing pretty well that she would probably say share for the sheer guilt alone of blindsiding you on national television. But what you did, gentlemen is you still remain true to your word and you said, let's share the quarter million dollars. And so did she. Amazing. Props to you because that was classy. 
I will say Thanks, classy. Buddy. Maybe Thanks. not smooth, but very human. I don't get the smooth card, that's for sure. Can I have a glass of water? <laughs> <laughs> so I told Michelle that, my friend. And then I get the email from you. I'm like, wait a second. I look at your picture. I just talked about Michael Stagliano today. <laughs> anyway, you too, Steve. I want to bring you into the fold too, because you're part of the Bachelor Nation. You're married to a former bachelorette as well. So there's a very incestuous hashtag Bachelor Nation thing going on. Unfortunately, yeah? that's the exact correct word to use. It's a whole incestual nation. Michael went on the bachelorette and I got to marry the bachelorette. Or I say to my wife, I'm so happy I married you. No roses required because it was, uh, and actually I hate telling this part of the story, but Deanna watched Jillian's season. So my, my wife is Deanna. She was the bachelorette. The next bachelorette was Jillian. Michael was on Jillian's season and Deanna watched Jillian's season and actually really crushed on Michael, like really liked him from, you know, what, what she saw on camera, even down to the, the hometown dates and like thought, you know, oh, he has a nice family and went to basically the rap party to meet Michael. They met, and it, it didn't really work out. Actually, I think you were interested in Holly at that point, if I remember correctly. No, no, this I this is I love this part of the story, because I went, and I was interested in Deanna. Like that, she was the girl I was going to meet. I had heard that she was generally interested in me. And I mean, literally, Alan, within about 45 seconds, we were both like, nap, that's not happening. And so then, <laughs> this is Steven. I like to say, Deanna said to Michael, is there like a better version of you that I could, that I could date? Nice. Um, anyways, and then, yeah, Michael introduced me to Deanna, and we had the exact opposite within like 45 seconds, just hit it off right away. And yeah, here we are seven years later with two kids and very happily married. It's a beautiful story. I think it's a typical twin story, perhaps, but just amplified because of the whole reality television aspect of it. Correct, yeah. So in a way, I can see that being the same adorable story under different circumstances without just off all the publicity. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get back to the topic at hand. Let's get back to the real juicy stuff and why we're here. Stories we make while playing the games we love. I saw you guys do uh -huh. mice and dice, and one of the pledge levels was if you pledge, you can come and visit us in California and hang out with some of the cast from Bachelor Nation and play games together. And I was totally interested. And I think we would take you guys to the Bachelor Mansion, which is oh, out right. here. And yeah. you get a, not a tour of the mansion, but at least get to see it from the outside. Very cool. Yeah. So what happened? Mice and Dice, you said there's four. That's numero uno. Right. Uh, then after that was Spiritual Warfare, which is the actual game category type is, is your trash game. It's kind of like a, a light RPG. It, it takes a lot of elements of from other games that we really like, other mechanics. Then a game called Skeleton Creek, which is based off of a young adult book series called <gasps> A Skeleton Creek. It's kind of like a ghost hunt. You try to find the ghost and, or, or end the game with the ghost in your hand. And then Tavern of Heroes is our fourth title. The first two, My Dice Spiritual Warfare, were self-published. And then Skeleton Creek was we published through the, the same company that published the book series. Very cool. Are these games still available? If someone wanted these, could they go somewhere and pick them up? Skeleton Creek is on Amazon and Spiritual Warfare and Mice and Dice. I'm pretty sure they're both still up on Game Crafter. Oh, you guys put them up on Game Crafter. Yeah, man. We love Game Crafter. Did you guys use that for It's Not Lemonade? Yep, absolutely. So that's what we did for That's Not Lemonade. We do it all the time. You guys said you go to gaming conventions. Which gaming conventions are you guys going to? We go to, it's Strategicon, uh, what is it, Strategicon, OrcCon, oh, yeah, Strategicon, yeah. and then Gamma out in Las Vegas. We're looking to go to Gen Con in 2019, and hopefully roll out Tavern of Heroes and bring some of our, our, uh, our other titles as well. Hey, and correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't gaming cons the <laughs> best 
and I want to say it really specifically. They're the best thing ever, but they're the best thing ever because Steve and I both had this experience back in like 2010. We walked in and we had this feeling of like, you could probably walk up to anybody at a gaming con and be like, hey man, my name is Michael. Do you want to play a game? And they'll be like, yeah. <laughs> like that's, and like total strangers. And you just, you get to know these people and like form friendships. It's like the only place in the world where, yeah, you can just insta-make friends. We just love cons for that reason. Yeah, and it's by point of comparison, that this is Stephen. I actually used to be in the, the trade show and event business, so I would go to different cons or, or events all over the world. And there's just there's something so specifically magical about the people or the community that is involved and attend gaming conventions, man. I just We, we look forward to it just any, any time we get the chance to go. It's always an absolute blast. I haven't even really put this together, and you just did this for me. It's all about sharing your love for games and actually playing them. So you can buy one and be like, I want to play it right now. And you can find people to play it right then and there. Very sweet. You guys want to get into Tavern of Heroes? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. And you know what? It's, I think it's actually kind of a cool segue going from talking about our past on, on The Bachelor to Tavern of Heroes, which like I, this is probably going to go without saying, but People that are associated with The Bachelor probably are not people that are gamers, and people that are gamers are probably not associated with The Bachelor. So I'm not sure exactly how I want to phrase this. There but is like, a stronger need for gateway games. How do we bring the masses into it? Cards Against Humanity has done a great job of getting people who normally wouldn't play games to start playing games because it has such a wide net. Exactly. You know what? I can even couple that with one of the members of our cast is actually Graham Bunn, who was on... The Bachelor Pad with me. He's from the Super Bachelor Super good franchise. looking dude. Yep. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Honestly, that was the next thing I was going to say. Graham is like the quintessential non-gamer. He's the he's the, a radio host of one of the biggest country radio shows. He dresses cool. He smells good. <laughs> he looks good. Like he is so good looking. It hurts to look at him sometimes. He was a professional basketball player. He never even played console games. And I can't overstate this enough. When we invited him to be on the show, he was like, yeah, cool. I don't even know what a tabletop RPG is, but like, I'll, you know, you guys are cool. So like, I'll come hang out with you guys and play. And I'm not kidding. At the end of it, he was like, that was probably the most fun I've ever had doing anything and was genuinely excited for the next time that he came on. And if you haven't listened to our show yet, he's our third and fourth episode. By the middle of the fourth episode... You honestly can genuinely hear it in his voice, like he is totally wrapped up in the story. And anyway, the, the bigger point I wanted to make there is part of me likes that Steve and I have this attachment to the Batzer franchise because we're such atypical tabletop role-playing gamers. And that's part of what is so important to Steve and I about Tavern of Heroes. We just we want to shed the stigma of Dungeons and Dragons. Even right now, if you say, hey, do you want to come play Dungeons and Dragons? Nine out of 10 people, it's a hard no. Right. And the 10th person is probably like, I mean, I, I saw that on Stranger Things. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know what that is. And we, we really want to start changing the perception and being attached to the Bachelor franchise, I hope, kind of helps that. You know what I mean? And like people like Graham Putt being on the show, yeah, I think it kind of illustrates the point of, look at this guy and he's having a really good time. Let's be very realistic for a moment, if you let me. But stereotypically... Dungeons and Dragons is for the kids that wanted to escape real life because their real life was horrible. Maybe they weren't athletic. Maybe they weren't good looking. They weren't popular. So they would get into a basement with their friends and connect that way. So when it comes to people, Bachelor Nation, and I don't want to say popular crowd, is because they wouldn't necessarily need the escape because they had 
the friends with whom they could be athletic or attractive. But I agree, it shouldn't be this separate world. Yeah, right, exactly. And and there's there's actually there's a few things to step out there. One, I think just when D&D started back in the Gary Gygax days, that comes with its own set of stigmas. People think that's that's something that only the nerdiest of nerds would do. And so that's what Michael and I like to call a barrier to entry. Or even if you get somebody to say yes, there's also, fine, yeah, we got one. He'll, he'll come and join our party. Now you got to hand him a three to 400 page rule book and then spend two to three weeks rolling up a character and then probably another one or two sessions just to like get him familiar yes. with the rules, right? So just from a mechanics and rules perspective, really, really high barrier to entry. And then the third point that I want to kind of step on here is there really has been a gaming revolution. There are many, many more people that even if they don't realize it, are gamers, you know, casual gamers or hardcore gamers, it doesn't really matter. And so what Michael and I are hoping on is we can essentially lower these barrier to entries and bridge the gap and make tabletop RPGing just much more accessible. And you know what, Alan, I feel like I should, for the listeners, pause for a second and really explain what Tavern of Heroes is. Tavern of Heroes is a brand new tabletop RPG system that is basically boiled down all of the... I'm putting in air quotes, but you can't see it because this is a podcast. The harder mechanics that are in place for D&D, and especially for Pathfinder, which is definitely a rules heavier, but the entire goal is to make all of our macro design choices were all done through the lens of a completely non-gamer, not even just someone that's a board gamer or a PC gamer that's new to tabletop RPGs, but someone who is a non-gamer. So like, how can we make this I don't want to say idiot-proof because that's going to insult people. A sit-and-play RPG, just like you would get Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride. Is it possible to make a box set where you get it out of your closet, you open it up, you hand out hero sheets, you can just start telling a cooperative story? So that's what we're trying to do with Tavern of Heroes. And we've been designing the game for about a year now, and we're still early in the design process because... It just takes a lot of playtesting. That that's all. We 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 basically just need to do polishing because you know you got to crunch a lot of numbers. That's essentially what Tavern of Heroes is boiled down. Definitely singing my tune. When it comes to so many people that find out that I own a tabletop game company with my partner Sean, they say, "Oh, board games." I ask, "Well, which board games do you like?" So many times people say, "Well, I don't like board games." That's bullcrap, because saying I don't like board games is like saying (laughs) I don't like music or movies. You may not like certain songs or certain music genres, but there's so many different types of board games out there. I can guarantee there's one out there that you would freaking love to death. The way we like to say it is you just don't know that you'd like board games, right? When we talk about Tavern of Heroes, we we usually talk about the reason that we made choices that are different than D&D and Pathfinder and, and the other D20 systems that are out there. And when we do that, it has this connotation of like that those are bad things or we don't like those systems. That could not be further from the truth. We love Pathfinder because it's it's even harder to play. Like it's even crunchier. We love rolling up characters. We will spend five hours on our character sheet in Pathfinder or D&D. We love that stuff. But for Tavern of Heroes, we honestly shedded almost all of the heavy lifting that comes with those games, kind of because of what you just said. So, I mean, right from the start, there's two specific things are, we just don't have hero creation. We have pre-generated heroes. So basically you sit down and you have one sheet in front of you with all of your stats and abilities. And then the other big heavy lifting thing that we wanted to do from a design standpoint, if you are the DM for a campaign, 
And a lot of the times, all the stuff you prepare doesn't even come up. They take a left instead of going a right. <laughs> yeah. or, you know, you hand them like a cool journal and they're like, cool, we'll tuck that away for later. And they don't read any of the stuff. I mean, I can't tell how many times we've had that experience. So part of what we wanted to do with Tavern of Heroes is make adventures that are, they're very railroady, but everything that is in our adventure documents that are typically like nine to 10 pages, you really can sit down and just start reading. And it's all broken down in like italics are just for you to read. And then there's a narration that you read to the players. And then there's dialogue that we step out. Here's a voice you can do. We even did all the maps. If you are interested in playing Dungeons and Dragons, that's awesome. Like that means you're probably willing to do all the heavy lifting and do all that homework. But we even think that's kind of a problem too. You have so much prep work to do. So what if there's a way to do a tabletop RPG that you can just pick it up and just start reading? The big point here is just removing all of the heavy lifting and still have a really, really fun tabletop RPG experience. Tavern of Heroes is more of like a video game version. It's kind of like a hack and slash. You get in within six minutes of sitting down, you're presented with a problem, and then it's basically, you got to find some bad guys that are responsible for it. You got to beat them up and then resolve the problem. So it's more combat heavy, just hitting the video game buttons. Yeah. They're, they're, I'm a warrior. I want to pick out my bastard sword and beat the crap out. You know what I mean? Like from a design standpoint, it's well, it just our, the player experience is way different. And our show format as well. Most, if not all, actual plays that we listen to are serialized. So it takes a year and a half or more to even get to the middle of the story. Our adventures are told over two, sometimes three episodes. So, and that's about two hours runtime. And same thing, obviously, with the game, too. You, we love a four to eight hour session, don't get me wrong. But nowadays, with two kids, or, and I think for a lot of people out there who just don't have that kind of time, now you can pull the box out. You can play a, through a full adventure beginning, middle, and end in two hours. I love what you brothers are saying. You're not saying everyone should be playing this instead of Pathfinder or this is the go-to role-playing game in the future. What you're saying is this is the springboard which can act for someone to really dive in if they want to in the future. If you have anyone who's kind of hesitant, I call them harmless games, and I've always called them harmless games. These games that have such a little buy-in that even if you don't like it, you say, hey, no harm done. We didn't spend a whole bunch of time. No feelings hurt. If you didn't like it, we'll move on to something else, maybe some other time. But if you love it, you can keep on going with what you already love, or you can springboard into something deeper and much crunchier, like you said. That's a lot of work on your ends, by the way. That's a lot of writing. You guys have to do a lot of work if you're making this all pre-generated characters, all these stories. Hats off to you guys. That's, that's a legit task at hand for you guys to go through. Yeah, I mean, work is a strong word. We absolutely <laughs> love it. So we don't, yes. we don't think of it as work. You know, Steve and I tactically and just strategically developed the game and the podcast, obviously, hand in hand. And look, the podcast is essentially a marketing campaign for the game. One of our core vision statements going in was just how do we get people to the table for the first time? That's really what we want. We've been live now for about two months. We launched on May 30th of 2018. And Probably our single favorite thing that's happened over the last two months is we've just gotten dozens and dozens of emails from people that say, I play Pathfinder and I play Dungeons and Dragons, but I just can't get my friends to play. I can't wait to buy your game because it's the perfect gateway drug. Because yeah, they can just sit down. They know they can finish in an hour and a half or two minutes. And yeah, all of our mechanics are super boiled down. So it's, it's very reassuring. How do we get involved? If they want to listen to your podcast, where do they go? 
on iTunes, obviously, it's our podcast is just called Tavern of Heroes, but you can basically get it anywhere. You can get it on Spotify or SoundCloud or yeah, Google Play, Stitcher, Audio Boom. We have a website called tavernofheroes.com. Yeah, at basically anywhere you listen to podcasts, you should be able to uh, to find it. I love the format of your podcast because I did my homework, listened, and it seems, what is it, every three or four episodes, you start a new adventure, a new story with a new guest? Every two to three episodes, we tell a full story. So it's procedural format instead of serialized. You know, there's like sound effects and scoring coming in, and we stay really tight to the story and like kind of keep, like I said, on the railroad track, keep things moving and build dramatic tension. Yeah, I don't want to be too much of a shill, but I love that the way you set up your podcast is very meta. It's a telltale of the actual game itself because the podcast, just like the game, has very little barriers to entry. You just get in and it feels like story time. I remember I was amazed the first episode, you did your introductions and all of a sudden we're off on an adventure right away. Whoa, this has happened. Oh my goodness. We're in the middle of this. Because as soon as I say to you, Alan, a girl's gone missing. Great. <laughs> You're in. You know what I mean? Like the story can start. And so you, you just don't need, or at least we specifically chose not to include all of that backstory for our shows. Yeah. It's different. I like what you're saying, because I don't think you're shitting on other systems at all. You're just saying this is the big difference, and it's eliminating those barriers of entry. Yeah. And one other thing I think is worth mentioning is, so we have a total cast of 10 heroes. Steve and I play two of them, and then eight of our cast members play the other heroes. And every single one of them, oh, except one, has never played a tabletop RPG before. And most of them are not even gamers. So yeah, I feel like that's worth mentioning. You know, most actual players are like seasoned D&D players and ours are all brand new players. That I, And I'm not exaggerating with this number. 20 to 30 minutes before we start recording, we get them in the room. We go over our player's guide, which is seven pages. And then we start playing the game. That's a lot different. And they're all voiceover actors. So they're all like really talented and really animated, right. which is which is really fun. And again, this is Steven. That, that was a strategic choice because we're specifically targeting, let's say, Bachelor fans that might be listening who have never played a tabletop RPG before, but instead of even listening to us, might think like, oh man, that, that girl, like she, she's never played before and she had a really good time. Or Graham, he's never played before and they've had a good time. Maybe I can try it out. Let me get into the nitty gritty details because I know some people ask. The mechanics... I know the answer to this, I believe. It's a D100 system. Explain the mechanics of challenges and how it works. This is so funny. I'm going to start with a little bigger answer. We use two dice in our game. There's a percentage die, 10, 20, 30, 40, all the way up to 100, which is essentially a D10. And then we use a six-sided die, and we only use the six-sided die for damage. And I love explaining the reason why we made that decision. Let's hear it, please. We played Pathfinder with our dad was one of the guys in our party and God love him, you know, not a gamer, super out of his comfort zone. But we were like, dad, please, we need a fifth player. Just turned 60. And he played with us for like three years. But Alan, can I tell you the amount of times that our dad would have to roll a D10 to do damage and would pick up a D8 multiple times a session, every session. So what we realize is like, even for people sitting down, if they look at seven dice, they're like, I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> like it's so, it's so, it really is. And then even we were specifically thinking, you know, cause we had this experience playing with people, like even at D20 is kind of confusing. It's one of those barrier to entry things that people like instantly get it. Another specific difference that we we made was 
around hero sheets or, or character sheets. Actually, Michael tells this great story that the last D&D campaign he played in or one-off he played about two months ago, he played a, was it a paladin or a cleric? I think it was a cleric. His character sheet was 19 pages long. And that was another thing that that's just way too intimidating. So even quick, five pages. Yeah, even, even five pages is too much. So so quick caveat or tangent here, and, and I guess a small disclaimer. Uh, I work for a company called Riot Games, which has a our, our premier title. Is, oh, League of Legends. Yeah, yeah, League of Legends, right. And I've been playing that game for years. When we came down to actually designing the game, you know, one of the big discussions we were having around the hero sheets was how can we really simplify for anybody that's not familiar with the game, every champion in the game has only four abilities. The game is played on Q, W, E, and R, the R being their ultimate ability. And to connect the dots here, our heroes, all in, in Tavern of Heroes, have four abilities. They have three main ones and then an ultimate oh, ability, sweet. And that, which is their most powerful one. And then all of our spellcasters have a one-page spell list that ranges from anywhere to five to seven spells. So just a really, really, really simplified hero sheet to just help a new player better navigate the options that they have in front of them. So you never have to worry about ability scores or anything. Let's suppose I'm one of the characters. I come across a huge boulder that's in my way. I know, not very creative. And I decide I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try to use my strength to move this. How do I move this boulder? You're going to first tell me, like literally tell me in the story what you do. And then we would have a mechanic in place for, uh, it'd be a DC, probably 70 or 80 athletics check. And that's it. And you just roll your athletics, you add your modifier to see if you get it. For anybody that's listening right now thinking like, okay, so we have skills in the game. Yes, we do. But we boil them all down to there are only five skills. We have, help me out, we have perception, stealth, athletics, survival, and diplomacy. And that's it. Where does the magic come into play? What skill is correlated to magic? Like if I was going to cast move boulder spell. Right. Survival is kind of like the catch-all. If you want to learn how many health points an enemy has or like what spell they cast or if there's any traps around or any tracks on the ground, our survival is kind of the biggest net that we put all of those things into. I don't want to say it's not innovative, but all we really did was, I think a D&D character sheet has like 15 skills or something, and Pathfinder probably has even more. Really, honestly, Alan, we just boiled all of that into five skills, like these catch-all skills that if you want to do anything, you know, you just you roll a skill check for one of those things. And even our ability scores, you know, dexterity and intelligence and wisdom and charisma, all of those as well, like got rolled in. And at first, we were worried that that was going to feel really handcuffy, like, oh my God, like we just can't. You really can. You can kind of just push anything you want to do into these five categories. This is Steven. Another thing that it's done that we found that we really love is it just keeps everybody focused on the story, right? Right. For, for a new player in particular, one of the worst things you could do is break the wall or break the narrative and say, okay, let's go look in the core rulebook. Again, for a new player, not for seasoned players. Frankly, if there isn't a mechanic in place, like, fine, man, just, just tell me what you do. Like, literally, just, just tell me the story of how and why you do it. And that's okay. And the story master can either allow it or not. If you listen to our pilot episode, which is called The House of Unending Shadow, there's a bad guy in there called Miles Agger. And Steve and I have played Pathfinder D&D or more specifically DM'd or GM'd those games. We, not exaggerating, will read three to five pages of backstory on Miles Agger and like his family lineage and all, like his necromancy abilities and like, you know, I mean, all of the stuff. And I remember when we got done playing, you know, we had this revelation that was like, man, I, you just, 
you don't really need to know any of that information about Miles Agger. Like, you need to know that he's a bad guy and that he took these two guards and that you beat the shit <laughs> right. out of him. And you're able to get rid of all the knowledge checks and like all these perception checks and kind of whittle away some of the clunkier stuff for new players by just rolling it into narration, make it part of the story. And that's the heart of Taverns of Heroes is just boiling it down, sifting through the dregs until you get to those quality moments that will hook the non-gamers into gaming. There you go. One last question about the mechanics. Let's suppose I love it and want to keep playing. Is there a leveling system? Do I get experience points? Can I improve? At the end of the day, we decided to take it out purely, uh, again, because of a barrier to entry thing. It's brilliant. No, I think this is, you guys have nailed it, where it is that council game now made into a role-playing game that you can play with your friends around a table. Limiting those choices to only the ones that we actually really want for just a no prep game. You got me. You guys, I, you got me. Yeah, I also think it's important to say we also don't have loot. When you do things like that, yeah, it just makes the player experience a little bit harder because it's stuff you got to keep track of. And instead, kind of our replayability is obviously the adventures. We'll have 10 adventures in our first edition and our beta version that we're going to release next year. But it's also, you're not stuck to just one hero. You can play a bunch of different heroes. You don't have to play the same hero. Which is actually a pretty strong recommendation for all role players. The habit is people want to play the same character over and over again, but you're really missing out. If you're always playing the strong barbarian, you want to try out the crafty wizard, etc. So I like that. Yeah, you get to learn the game in a lot of different ways through a lot of different lenses if you play different characters. And just to be clear too, there's like small scale or surface level loot, right? Where you could find an extra a potion or, you know, a vial of poison or something like that. But just, yeah, it stays, it's, it's a contained adventure loot system. Like it would be in a video game, like an adventure game, Space Quest, King's Quest. You got it. Yeah. Yep. Well, you scratch the surface. Let's hear the release pitches. How do we get involved? If our knaves are juicy for it and they want to know more about it, you already said you can go to tavernofheroes.com. But what about the game itself? How long do we have to wait? When's this hitting us? Our tentative plans right now are to, at the end of the year, maybe next year, roll out a Patreon to help keep the show going and then just honestly start raising funds to publish the game. One of our Patreon goals for sure would be a playtest or a beta version that we would roll out. I guess end of the year for a Patreon and or Kickstarter and then a beta version next year. And then hopefully two years from now, we're in market with a a fully published, full artwork, full graphic design product. 2019, we're hoping to launch our beta version. A great game is great no matter the people with whom you play. A horrible game would still be fun if you're playing with beautiful people, but ideally you have both. So it's all about trying to find those games that you can have an amazing time with almost anybody. But really, the reason that we sit down with each other is always because of the connections we make across the table with our fellow players. And so that's what we're just trying to get. What are these games that really facilitate that? Absolutely. And it's Mike and I say this all the time that like video games are great and PC games are great. I mean, I work for a gaming company, but there's something so magical that happens when you just put your phones away, you sit down and the tagline for Tavern of Heroes is let's tell a story where you just have that FaceTime and like jump into this fantasy world together and and just and, you know, have a lot of old school, meaningful fun with friends and family. So, yeah, man. Love it. Hey, if people want to get in touch with you guys, how should they do it or should they not? Uh, no, we, we'd love to hear from, it's one of our favorite things literally every day is interacting with fans of the show or, or people that are new to gaming. So website is tavernofheroes.com. You can send us an email to mnightbringer at gmail.com for quick context. 
The owner and operator of the Tavern of Heroes is this guy named Malar Nightbringer. So you can email him uh, at mnightbringer at gmail.com. And then our Twitter and Instagram handles are Tavern of Heroes Podcast. I hope we get to bump into each other at a con someday, whether it be on the West Coast, East Coast. Hey, this is the Tuesday Night Podcast. If you want to send an email, please do so. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. And I think with that being said, this episode is... Finish! episode 144 thank you so much for listening i really appreciate it and a few more thanks i really thank the stagliano brothers for coming on this show i'm really excited about the idea of video game simplicity meeting role-playing games i also want to thank any bachelor fans that may have listened to this podcast that normally don't if you want some behind the scene looks at the bachelor michael stagliano did reveal some really cool tidbits if you're interested, just tweet the show at PlayTKG and ask us to share the Bachelor secrets. And we will perhaps release an episode with more of those notes. I also want to thank Sir Delton Brack for helping edit this episode. And of course, all the usual knaves, knights, and nobles alike for taking the time on the Tuesday Night Podcast. I'll shut up and get ready for next episode. <laughs>